Crippled are carrying. Crippled are carrying. That, that, that may not mean anything to you now. You may not even know you're crippled. You may know you are crippled. You may not understand what I'm referring to when I say carrying. But as you'll see in this passage of Scripture, we're going to be talking about a crippled man who ended up carrying the thing that he was crippled on. Today, I just, I just pray right now that the Holy Spirit would use me uh, beyond my ability to, to speak uh, a strong word, a loving word, an encouraging word, but, but, but a word that would be confronting at the same time to each of us in the things we begin to be comfortable with. Um, a, a, a word that the Holy Spirit would use to draw us and to pull us closer to God, into Christ's likeness, into a wholeness and a healthiness in our lives that, that God's Son died for us to have. It says this, when Jesus had returned to Capernaum several days later, news spread quickly that he had come back home. I believe it's the New King James Version says this, news spread quickly that Jesus was in the house. Some dear friends here this morning don't want to point them out or call them out or embarrass them for anything in the world because it's the first time they've ever been. And Lord knows I've got a knack for embarrassing people. Um, but when I stepped over to talk to them this morning, really just to brag on God about what God's done over the last 18 months, I, I just said, hey, look what God's done in the last 18 months. Isn't this, isn't this amazing what God's done? And you know what I would really attribute that to? And Pastor Chad, you, you, how many of you love Pastor Chad? How, how many of you know he's got a phenomenal voice? How many of you know the worship team does a great job? How many of you know Pastor Chris does a great job with it? How many of you know the media and the production team is second to none? I mean, we've, Pastor Todd's got a heart like no one else's heart for outreach in this city and missions. And Miss Rhonda just makes everything, everything. In case you can't tell, we got a great youth pastor that actually loves kids. Got a great Bible college. I mean, it's, they're all wonderful. You're only as good as your team. You can only go as far as your team can go. But the truth of the matter is, what's happened at Oaks Church in the last 18 months hasn't happened because of any one of them. It's happened because somebody heard Jesus was in the house. Somebody heard that there's forgiveness there. There's healing there. There's restoration there. There's deliverance there. There's hope there. There's a, I was telling somebody the other day, he walked up to me at the gym, and he said, hey, you're a pastor. I said, yes. He said, I want to ask you something. If I went to your church and your staff was the most unfriendly staff of any church I'd ever been to, would you want to know? Now, how many of you know that's easy when you're talking about somebody else's church? <laughs> but I thought he might be baiting me in like Solomon, like, like, oh God, yes, I would want to know. And he would say, and Rhonda Brown's the most unfriendly person I've ever, and so, now, you know, well, Brooke Skipworth is the most, un you're the most unfriendly, John Skipworth. And I was like, oh God, do I really want to know? And I was like, yeah, I think I would want to know. And he said, okay, and he put his earbuds in. And I was like, thank God it wasn't Oaks Church. <laughs> I told him, I said, man, I went back up and I said, you know, I think I would want to know, even if it was tough to hear, I would want to know because the world is beating up on people. 
every day, pulling them down, breaking them apart, stripping them to nothing. The last thing people want to do is get up and get dressed early on a Sunday morning and go to a place where people beat up on them or are mean to them or disgruntled to them or not warm and welcoming to them. I love that when people walk in the doors of Oaks Church. They feel invited. They feel welcome. They feel loved on. But more importantly, I love that people walk in here knowing there's healing in the water. That God's still a miracle worker. He's in the deliverance business. He can make all things new. Now, I pray that in every church because what matters is the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Oaks Church. I pray God's kingdom wins everywhere. But the Bible says Jesus went back home and news spread quickly because they heard he was in the house. Soon the house where they were staying was so packed with visitors. Guys, we've got a problem. I've told y'all the last several weeks, we got a problem. Got a problem. We're at 80%. This building's full. It's full every week. We got a problem. People are going to stop coming. They're not going to sit in other people's lap coming to church. Jesus was in the house. The place began to be so packed with visitors, there was no more room even outside the door. And while he was standing there preaching his opinion, nope. While he was standing there preaching politics, nope. While he was standing there preaching cultural, social ideologies, nope. As he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a crippled, a paralyzed man on a mat. Now this would have been a terrible mat to be carried on. I mean, if, if, if I put Fisher in this today, it'd probably roll up like a burrito. <laughs> they would have had to put a straw in there so you could breathe. I, I imagine it was something like a stretcher. Something like a stretcher. You know, like those old green army cots with the four wooden hands. But these four men showed up carrying a paralyzed man. I, I, Lord, help me. God, let me get back to this. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because the crowd was so big. Now, now listen, you know I am a very literal person. I, I am a very literal Bible studier. I am like a word on word. But today, we're going to have to be a, a, a little bit creative. We're, we're going to have, I, I see some things in this passage as, I, as the Lord laid it on my heart yesterday. So we've got sermon series. We've got, we've got notes. We've got slides. And I'm out there mowing my grass and the Lord says I don't care if you want to preach that that ain't what the people need the people need this and you're either going to preach what I told you to preach or I ain't going to let you preach it all I said okay God I was trying to preach a sermon series and he said no I got a series for you to preach so I went in and I laid down on the bed across the bed and I was having an allergy reaction to pollen how many is having trouble with the pollen Lord get me off of the crippled mat of pollen struggling Amen. Nothing's too big for God. Nothing too small for God. I was reading this passage and all of a sudden I started seeing some things in this passage I have never seen before. Creatively, figuratively. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because the crowd was too big. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because the problem was too big. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because religion was too big. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because there wasn't enough gas in the car. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because it wasn't what popular opinion. There was a barrier keeping this crippled man away from a savior I, I don't know now you know if you go to church here this is not for the person to the left of you 
It's not for the person to the right of you. It's not for the person behind you. This is not when you say, mm, I hope she's listening. <laughs> this is for you. You, for me. I don't know what you came in here paralyzed from, crippled of today. We're going to talk about a lots of crippling things, debilitating, paralyzing things that happen to all of us in life when I finally get there. But sometimes things get bigger, larger than life. We don't confront things. We don't talk through things. We don't address things. And they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it gets so big, it keeps us from the very one that can heal us, save us, deliver us, fix us, mend us. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because it got too big. So here's what they did, Pastor Chad. They dug a hole through the roof above his head. Now, literally, I can take you to the house where this occurred. I can show you the synagogue. We, we go in there. I am literal, but I'm just telling you, sometimes these things get so big, it's not above your head, it's in your head. And sometimes we gotta have some friends around us that'll dig some holes through the nonsense of our heads. Well, this is what they said. Who are they anyways? What did they say? Do they matter? Where are they going? What does their they live look like? Is that where you want to be? Sometimes we got to have some people open up the nonsense of what we've fallen into, been trapped in and believed in, to let us down, let down the answer through all that garbage. Then they lowered him down on his mat, crippled, right in front of Jesus. Check this out. Whew. Seeing their faith. <laughs> I, I don't know, and I'm sure I could break out the lexicon and discover this for you. Their faith, I believe at this point, is referring to the four friends' faith. Now, the Greek language is so complex, there could be an indication in the lexicon that this also applies to the paralyzed man that had no other expression of faith than to be willing to lay on the mat while he's let down. I'm not sure if it was their faith, the friends, or their faith, including him. But here's what I want you to know. Jesus saw this act of, I got in the car. I put on the makeup. I went to church. I went to midweek life group. I went to Bible study. I went to my accountability part. I went, I don't know why I'm going. I feel like I'm going backwards, not forward. This really isn't even in my flesh what I want to be doing. I want to be over here. I want to be YOLO. I only live once. I only want to be living my best life now. I really don't even care, but I went anyways. Don't know why I went. I went and Jesus saw that act of faith. say, oh, this is different. <laughs> Never had somebody tear the roof off the place. <laughs> Raise the roof. <laughs> it's all, all good things come from the Word of God, from the Bible, trust me. Jesus said, you ready for this? Your sins are forgiven. <laughs> Lord, help me. 
I'm going to ask you one question, and it's going to hurt. Who did Jesus speak the harshest to in every gospel of the whole New Testament? Religious people. That's not an opinion. That is the truth. Jesus spoke the harshest. (laughs) Woman in adultery, five husbands, different one now. He out here teaching on worship, spirit and truth. (laughs) He's shucking and jiving. What are you doing hanging out with her? I got bread to eat you know not of. I'm doing my father's work. (laughs) Goes over to the Pharisee's house. You didn't wash my feet. You didn't wash my hands. You straining at gnats, swallowing at camels. How come Jesus didn't talk to her like that? Jesus is the toughest on the religious people in the church service. Synagogue. Who does he think he is? Thinks he can forgive sin. Jesus turns and looks at him and said, you don't even have to say nothing. I heard what you thought. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blaspheme. Who does he think he is? Thinks he can forgive sin. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he put them on blast. (laughs) Here's what I like about Jesus. He wasn't a Facebook coward. He was an in your face. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he called them out. He asked them, why do you question what I'm doing within your hearts? Listen to this. Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, four words, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus said, I got the same thing accomplished with less effort. It's like hiring a contractor that takes all day to do a job and hiring a contractor that knows what they're doing and can do it in two hours and you pay them both the same thing. I ain't mad he did it in two hours. He got the same job done with the same excellence. He just know what he's doing better. Jesus said, I got it done and I did it with less effort. But I will prove to you, I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth also to forgive sins. So Jesus turns to the paralyzed man and says, watch this, hey, stand up, pick up that mat you laid cripple on and carry the very thing that once carried you. And the man slowly got up and the man struggled to get to his knees no it says and the woman jumped up and the man jumped up grabbed that mat like a knapsack and walked out the front door through all the stunned onlookers and they were amazed and all they knew to do was start praising God and exclaiming saying we have never seen anything like this before father today I know I've taken time to explain this text in detail Come do now what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to ask you again. Crippled or carrying? Crippled or carrying? 
Did you walk in here crippled today, being carried on a mat, or will you walk out of here today carrying the very thing that once carried you? Carrying the thing that once carried you. There's a parallel passage of this in another gospel, and I won't be slow in pulling it out today, but it's in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. I'll read them quickly out of the New Living Translation. They say this, Jesus climbed into the boat on the Sea of Galilee, went back across the Sea of Galilee to his own new hometown, his ministry headquarters, the city of Capernaum. Some people brought a paralyzed person to him on a mat, and seeing their faith, Jesus then said to the paralyzed, be encouraged, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law said to themselves, that's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what these religious people were thinking, so he asked them, why do you all have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth also to forgive sins. So these, then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up that mat you were carried here carried in here on, and go home. And the man jumped up, and he went home, and fear swept through the whole crowd as they saw this happen, and all they knew to do was begin praising God and giving glory to God, for they had never seen among humanity someone with such authority. There are over 37 miracles mentioned in the lifetime of Jesus in the New Testament's Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 37 different miracles. You know how many are recorded of Elijah? Seven. His servant, Elisha, asked for a double portion of Elisha's spirit, and Elisha has 14 recorded miracles. And the ending ministry of Elisha parting the brook is the beginning miracle ministry of Elisha when he parts the brook. He picks up where Elisha left off. Jesus has 37 recorded miracles in the New Testament. However, have you ever noticed, maybe in small group or in Bible study or in podcast, or even in church on Sundays, that Jesus didn't have a blueprint for how he did miracles? It, it, it wasn't a, this is step one, this is step two, this is step three. Like, I, I gotta be honest with you. When he spit in the dirt and made clay, I might would have been out right then. <laughs> I, I might, oh, whoa, I, I'm blind, never mind, I can see. <laughs> the deaf mute that can't speak, he sticks his fingers in his ears. Have you ever noticed, Todd, that when he does a miracle, I'll never forget the first time I ever led somebody to the Lord. Like, I was like, okay, this is how you do it. So then I, the next person I tried to lead to the Lord, and I was forcing it. Like, I was, I was trying to make it out. I didn't understand God calls people. I thought I could call people. I'm, I'm a little bit older and wiser now. And I would go, and I would repeat my same little thing, and I remember the first time it didn't work. I was like, okay, wait a minute. This is the, this is the blueprint of how this works. This is how you speak in tongues. This is how you see miracles. This is how you, and I, I started having those little God boxes that I had created, destroyed by God himself. And, and God let me know there's no box that I can create theologically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, that can confine him. That, that, that my finite ability can't grasp totally his infinites. And, and while I, I, I am 
blessed to have some understanding of what I know of God today. I don't know everything there is to know about God today. I love that when Jesus gets ready to do these miracles, he always enacts some action, something that promotes the faith that is needed to receive the miracle that is most needed in that individual's life. Like, like we think that there's not an exchange between heaven and earth. Like we're asking God to pay our light bill and God is trying to pull on the strings of your heart to pull you into a miracle, to express faith, to fix something in your heart that's leaving you crippled and paralyzed, which is ultimately the reason why you have dysfunction and can't pay your own light bill in life. You're asking God to address the symptoms and God is saying, I want to deal with the root. God is, is, is not interested in, in this is what I want. God is interested in this is what you need. You're asking God to do B and God is saying, I'm trying to do C. God's trying to pull us into an exchange to express some faith to get the miracle from God that we need in the moment for the miracle that is most needed in our spiritual growth and our development. See, the truth of the matter is so many of us are paralyzed today emotionally. Let, let, let's, just, let's just talk about this for a moment. It's going to be uncomfortable. And again, I'm talking to you, but I'm talking to you in love. How many of you, don't raise your hands, would say, emotionally, I'm crippled. Like, like I have been hurt. I, I have been abused. I, I have trust issues. I have mom issues. I have dad issues. I have husband issues. I have wife issues. I have family issues. I've been hurt. And then what we do is we pretend... We, we go about life with a facade, an exterior that keeps people emotionally at arms or yards length, never getting emotionally connected to anyone because we're emotionally crippled. Thank you, Father. We go through life spiritually crippled. We, we've, we've tried to understand God through intelligence or through mental ascents, but never expressing any measures of faith that is needed or demanded to have a relationship with God. The Bible says that without faith, you will never have a walk with God. You will never understand enough. You will never have all the answers. In order to have a relationship with God, a man or a woman must first believe that he is and that he also is a rewarder of those that will reach out and begin to pursue him, diligently seek him. So because we're unwilling to make the exchange to be spiritual, because I'm all carnal, I'm all mental, I'm all intelligence. We go through life crippled without ever having any spiritual connection with a God who is a spirit. Just while I'm on this and shucking some corn today, I'm going to go ahead and shuck this. I have had some of the most spiritual experiences with God on a golf course. Hallelujah. <laughs> I have had some of the most spiritual experiences with God in the mountains, in the woods. I 
have had some of the most spiritual experiences with God with my ear pods in at the gym working. I have spiritual experiences with God. I had one on the blooming lawnmower yesterday. I feel sorry for you if you don't have a spiritual connection with the God who gave life to your spirit. You are only alive because he breathed you. If you don't know him or connect with him, it hurts me for you. But I don't come to church to have a spiritual experience. I can have a spiritual experience with God anywhere. I come to church to give you some of what God's doing in me and let some of what God's doing in you, you give that to me. I can have a relationship with God anywhere, but I can't go to church anywhere. When I come to church, it isn't about what I get, it's about what I give. This ain't Burger King. This ain't consumer Christianity. This ain't I came to get something. It's, hey, baby, I came to give something today. I came to give praise today. I came to give a helping hand today. I came to give a word today. I came to give worship today. I came to give love today. I came to encourage somebody. I came to pray today. I came today not to get my needs met, but to give the overflow of him meeting my needs in my life to somebody that ain't got it yet. It's the mutual sharing of our, you can go to, you can have an encounter with God anywhere, but you can't go to church by yourself. And guess what? The church came out of the bleeding side of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, and he talked about his ecclesia in his life before he was ever crucified. And trust me, when he said the gates of hell shall not prevail over his church, he meant it, and the church will be the last thing standing on this earth because it's God-ordained in the earth. Spiritually crippled, no spiritual connection because I'm all carnal. No relational connections with people because I'm relationally paralyzed. Physically, I want to be careful here. How many of us today say, I got neck issues? I got back issues. I got hip issues. I got eye issues. I got lung issues. I, 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 I got, listen to me, you are a five part being. You are emotional, spiritual, relational, physical. You are five parts of your being that God created. And when he offered salvation, salvation is for all five parts. He is not a compartmentalized salvation God. You don't only get salvation in your spirit. You get salvation in your emotions. You get salvation in your relate. You get salvation in your body. You get salvation in all of you. Salvation is for all five aspects of your being. God died for all of you. Healing is the children's bread. Now, he doesn't always heal, and I don't always see miracles, but God is always a healer. And he told me I can stand on his word and ask and believe for healing in every situation because that is his promise, whether I see it in this life or the life to come. So don't you get accustomed to walking in a spirit of infirmity and a spirit of illness because it is not God's plan for your life. You keep your faith built up, you keep confessing, you keep believing, and you keep holding on to the hope that God will heal you because it's his promise to you. But so many of us have got used to walking around and being carried as cripples. We, if, if God did heal us, we would crawl back on our mat in five minutes because we don't know what it's like to walk. Oh, I, 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 I get my light bill paid better as a cripple. 
<laughs> people take better care of me if they know I'm hurting. If people know we always got issues, we always got dysfunction, I've always got pain, I've always got offense, I've always, oh, I get more attention this way. You just got used to somebody carrying you on your mat. Huh? You, if God healed you, you wouldn't know what to do. You'd be, Todd, come pull me. <laughs> I'm going to tear this little mat in half. <laughs> Jeff, can you come pull me? <laughs> God touched me, whoo, jumped up, hey, whoo, I'm up. I say, oh God, it's hard to go to work. Oh God, it's hard to be a dad. Oh God, it's hard to be a husband. Oh God, it's hard to have a job. Could y'all pull me again? <laughs> you ain't laughing because I'm preaching to you. <laughs> Ooh, it was easier when they was carrying me. I was like, Lord, I can't wait to get off this, this, this halfway house bus. First time they gave me a bicycle, son, I thought I, I felt like the people on the front of the Titanic. Man, I got a bike. I got a taste of freedom. I was ready to get off that mat so bad. They'd drive me up in that halfway house, man. I'd have them parked two blocks over so nobody see me get out of that halfway house bus. They said, now, where do you work? I said, back here. This ain't no business. I said, it's all right. Just let me off right here. I'm tired of being pulled around on that mat. Huh? Tired of being pulled around in my crippling, my dysfunction. Some of us, we, we, we've never seen finances done right. We, we've never seen wise money management. And so we continue to stay crippled financially because all we know is when get it and spend it. I, I, know, I remember I remember having a great job. I remember being out at General Motors at like 19. Drug addicts, high. God, I feel sorry for whatever I built out there. They let me do whatever I did. Can somebody please go back and check that? I mean, I'd make like $3,600. I'd be broke on Sunday, Pop. But sometimes Friday night. (laughs) Miss Ronaldson, you got to stop telling all this stuff on yourself. Somebody came and asked me last week. They said, now, Pastor, you shared something last week I don't think I've ever heard in your story. (laughs) The further we go, the more you learn. It's all for God's glory. What I was, what I am. What, What he can do, what he can bring you out of. He did it for me. He'll do it for you. You just got to decide, do you want to carry or stay crippled? Here's what we do. We develop coping mechanisms. We develop coping mechanisms. We, we have mats that we rely on. You may have been hurt, so you rely on the mat of unforgiveness. We, we have a lack of, of, of control, a lack of boundaries in our lives. We, we have a, a lack of the ability to say no. So we end up in addiction. I, was, I, I started this extremely regimented diet a few months back, <laughs> extremely. Brooke's like, I don't know if I can handle you like this. Like next is a scale. Like I got to get the scale next because I'm, I'm guessing at how much protein. But I made a promise. I would not put that on anybody else. So you do you, I'm going to just do me. And, and, and in this dieting process, I was telling Todd, 
when I started getting control of it, I started realizing control was growing in other areas that control had slipped in. Being able to control what you put in your body and what you do with your body all of a sudden breeds a control to address other areas that you may have. I'm just being honest with you. Brooke was telling me about these little limit things that they set on social media, like you can set on your phone now, like, hey, I only want to be on there an hour, remind me, or 15 minutes or whatever. And, and I'm not against that, whatever works for you. But where I'm at, I'm like, if I have to rely on that, we already got trouble. Because I got something greater than that. And I'm not being over spiritual. I'm just saying I got something inside of me, the person of the Holy Spirit, that can help me get a hold of that. Now, I'll take, I'll take an alarm clock in the morning because I need it to get up. But sometimes the Holy Spirit can wake me up when I need to be up too. Amen. But we, we, we don't have control, so we rely on just pull me around on the mat of my addiction. We, we get bored with conventional. We get, we get bored with, with normal, so we start experimenting and we get into perversion. And then, instead of addressing the thing that God wants to address, inside of us, we say, no God, I'm okay this way, just, just allow me to be pulled around on the mat of my perversion. Oh, this is, this is just Old Testament. This is just experimental. This is, this, that's all I'm doing. <clears throat> We've never seen a family structure healthy, functioning. None, I noticed I didn't say perfect. Perfect doesn't exist. So we rely on the mat of we're just a dysfunctional blended family. Instead of the effort that it would take to address becoming whole and healthy, we just say, no, people just have to learn to accept me and pull me around on the mat of my dysfunction. This this too much? This too much? We've never seen wholeness. So we just rely on the mat of I'm just crippled. Just crippled in this. Now, now I'm only crippled in this one area. You get a lot of other good parts of me. <laughs> you get a lot of other good parts. It's like, I got a lot of great stuff going. I'm crippled over here. Anybody ever seen Lord of the Rings? Don't look at me like that in church. You bunch of religious. <laughs> make me poor Jesus get mad at y'all religious pope people. Just kidding. This, this little guy, what's his name? Frodo. Oh, what's that little guy's name? Yeah, what's his real name? Smeagol. My precious. Got, got this one thing up here Sunday morning. Jesus, you can have it all, Jesus. I love it all. You can have it all. Over there that afternoon, my precious. <laughs> now you can have it all, Jesus, except this. You can't have my computer screen. You can't have my wallet. You can't have my vocabulary. You, you can't have my heart. You can't have my relationships. You can't have my sexuality. You can't have... My addiction, you, no, you can have everything else, but you can't have it. It's my precious. I'm going to do better with this, Jesus, than you can do with it. <sighs> Number one, before I get myself fired on my day off. <laughs> Somebody asked me today, they said, how you keep saying get fired, how you going to get fired? <laughs> Who or what? is carrying you. Who or what is carrying you? 
Look at this verse right here. Put that verse up there. Third verse, please. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. See, I got a lot of crippled friends. And I too am somewhat crippled. Amen? If, if I had to relate my story to a story in the Bible, I would say it's the story of Jacob. He ends up in a wrestling match with God. And God touches him in his hip. And cripples him. Jacob has to walk different the rest of his life as a reminder of that encounter with God. He's not all the way crippled. He has a reminder that he's somewhat crippled. It's a reminder that he can't do in his own strength what God's calling him to do with his strength. I've got a lot of crippled friends. Matter of fact, they're the friends I like the most. I fit in well. I don't like being around a bunch of people that ain't crippled. I get scared. I'm like, am I not praying enough, reading enough, studying enough? And then I realize they lying. <laughs> and they the scariest ones to be around. Them suckers will stab you in the back, cut your throat, pull the rug out for money. They got you on a mat all right, and they ain't pulling you to Jesus. I got a lot of crippled friends, and I'm somewhat crippled. But you better bet your bottom dollar, if I get an opportunity, I am dragging, snatching, dog sledding, pulling, step by step, workout by workout, day by day, counseling appointment by counseling appointment, conversation by, I am dragging their narrow tail and their precious into the presence of Jesus. I'm not going to let them stay broke. I'm not going to let them stay crippled. I'm not going to let them stay paralyzed. I'm not going to tell them it's okay. I wouldn't want them to tell me it was okay. I wouldn't want them to leave me in dysfunction, them to leave me broken. I'm going to love them all the way to the presence of God till I get them in the presence of the one that can heal their dysfunction. Who or what is carrying you? Number two, better question is, better question is, have you taken, have you taken a gander? Have you taken the time to look lately? Come on, Todd, I need you now, seriously. I need you. I'm gonna tear this little mat in half. Let me have a, my, I need somebody little. I need somebody, oh, no. Come on, Jay. Jay leaned up. You put yourself out there, Jay. Come on. Come on, Jay. Come on. Lay on this mat, Jay. Lay on this mat on your back, please, sir. On your back. Jay's done got used. He, he's, Jay, you've been through some things? What's that? Have you been through some things? I have been through some things. Okay, been through some things. All right. You've been through some things. All right. Reach under here and grab him under his arm, Pa. Jay, when you was going through some things, we was dragging you off the battlefield, dragging you out of addiction, dragging you out of divorce, dragging you out of, dragging you out. Now watch this. If you're not careful, it'll get comfortable for you to stay on that mat and have people dragging you. And you can get so comfortable, you may never lean up and take a guy. Oh, you, you, you just keep dragging. 
Lean up and take a gander. Look this way, Jay. Look this way. That's right. Say, where in God's name are these people dragging me? It'll get so comfortable. You, you may have gotten tired. I may have said, God, Lee, this guy's a drag. I'm passing him off. I could have passed him off to somebody else. And we, them people, they dragging him to the crack house. They dragging him to the club. They dragging him to the bar. They dragging him to further dysfunction. And if you don't take a look every once in a while where you're going and what kind of friends are dragging you, you're going to end up some location you're not happy with being once you get there. It all sounded good. It all smelled good. But in the end, it's going to smell like death. Number three. Read it. Read it. Raise your hand if you're forgiven. Right? Because we in Dixie. Everybody say, we all going to heaven. But you know you're still paralyzed. Check this out. Put the verse on the screen. Seeing their faith, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Yeah, forgiven. Name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Great. Better question is, are you ready to get up off that mat? You know what most people say? Nope. <laughs> it's easier. <laughs> I can still do me. <laughs> you can still do you. <laughs> I don't have to change nothing. <laughs> hey! This a, is this a get out of hell free ticket. <laughs> Matter of, God ain't sending you to hell. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hell was created for Lucifer and the fallen angels who rebelled against God against his original creation. <laughs> I hear ACDC right now. I'm going to be very carnal and let you know when I go to the gym, I listen to ACDC. I'm on a highway to hell. I ain't on no highway to hell. I say, thank God I'm off the highway to hell. But I had myself on a crash course headed to a highway to hell. And there were some crazy people standing in the middle of it, coming to the prisons, coming to the jails, praying for me at the church, sir, saying, God is trying to get you off of this path of destruction that you are leading yourself on, that you're not going to be happy with once you get there. You want me to tell you what's dangerous about religion? You want me to tell you what's dangerous? Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge makes you think you know some things. I'm going to throw y'all a curveball right quick, media team. And if you get it up there, that's great. Pull this scripture up for me. Luke, I mean, excuse me, John 14, 21. I just, I just want to keep us grounded in the truth of the gospel. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody that will and can save anybody. Right? This is the message of hope. John 12, 41 says this. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, this is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me 
will also experience or be loved by my Father. And I too will love them and will manifest, show myself, reveal myself to them. Religion will help you know things about God. Obedience will help you know God. You can listen to all the podcasts, go to all the Bible studies, be in all the small groups, listen to all the greatest preachers of all the greatest sermons of the day. And they can puff you up with a knowledge in your head about all the things you know about God. But when you're laying on a mat, on a bar stool, in a jail cell, in a divorce, in addiction, in dysfunction, broke and hopeless, and all you have is a command to get up and you've never gotten up before, stand on legs that have never walked, pick it up, taken up or picked up a mat that was once carrying you, all you've got is a decision in that moment if I will step out in faith and radically obey the things that the master has told me to do. And it's in that moment when you make that decision, it's time to get up, it's time to get off of it, it's time to stop taking the easy route, it's time to stop conforming, and you jump up. All of a sudden, in that moment, when you go to get up, a power from God will meet you in that moment that you never had before because you never needed it before. And that will reveal God to you and God in you, and you won't know about God. You will know God. Put it back on the screens. Forgiven, yet paralyzed. A lot of forgiven people in here today, also a lot of paralyzed people in here today. Do you want off the mat? Number four, Pastor Chad, would you please come? We're going to land this plane on time today. Hey, we got Newcomers Coffee Social this afternoon. If you want to know more about me, want to meet any of our staff, it takes 50 minutes. This is a time that we set aside to get to know you relationally and personally because things are hectic around here on Sunday mornings. We'd love to just spend some time with you, drink some coffee. It's right back here at 3 p.m. this afternoon, Pastor Ron. Isn't that correct? Give the Oaks Church SUM Bible College a plug, Oaks Church Church Youth. Again, they've got a small reception set up outside for all the graduates and their immediate families today just to say thank you for allowing us to celebrate your special day with you. Last but not least, here it is. Do you want to carry that which has been carrying you? Do you want to carry that which has been carrying you? How many of you know needy people? How many of you know somebody in your life very, very, very needy? How many of you know people that are very needy and it's warranted? And how many of you know people that are very needy and it's unwarranted? Okay, here's what Galatians says. Galatians says that we should bear one another's burdens. But Galatians also says that we should carry our own load. Each of us has an ability to carry a certain load in life. We need to carry that load. When we see others around us struggling with an excess load, that's warranted. We should help them carry their load. When we see people not carrying their load, the Bible doesn't command us to carry their load. The Bible commands us to teach them to get up off the mat. You think you're helping them, you're hurting them. 
you're allowing them to stay broken, stay in dysfunction, stay paralyzed, stay crippled, stay angry, stay hurt, stay bitter, stay full of unforgiveness, stay irresponsible. And you just keep cleaning up the messes, keep paying the bills, keep fixing it, keep mending relationships, keep taking down posts, keep covering with bosses, keep telling lies to the kids. You're saying it's okay to stay broken. It's okay to stay crippled. I don't mind and want to help people. Precious lady, I don't know where she's at. Could you please stand up? You came up to me this morning. Lady right here with the red hair. Yes, ma'am, you, you know who I'm talking to. What's your name, ma'am? Stacy Jackson, but it's, it's something else now. Stacy, is it Stacy Jackson? Freeman, Stacy Freeman. Came up to me this morning, said, hey, Pastor John, is it okay if I share this? Better ask permission. Most of the time I just ask for forgiveness. <laughs> it's taken me a long ways in life trying to get off my mat trying to get off my mat she came up to me today she said hey pastor john been coming to church here for three months never missed a sunday i said i know that i see you every sunday smiling she said you water baptized me i said i remember that she said I'm, I'm getting ready to get out of milestone on tuesday and i really really want to continue my recovery and the best place to be is proverbs 31 and i want to go over there and be with tina bass she said i have a hip issue but I'm mobile, I can get around, I can work, I can do everything. Can you pray for me today to have supernatural favor to be able to get in over there? So I turned and looked five feet to my right. She doesn't know this, but the guy that owns Proverbs 31 is standing five foot to my right. And I said, hey, would you just repeat that to me? Just never told who you who he was, never told him who, just, just let you. And you walked off, I said, thank you. And I said, sir, just pray about that. Just, just see how you feel in your spirit about her and about that. You know what I'm trying to say to you, Stacy? I don't mind helping people like you because I see you want off your mat. But some of you have codependent relationships with your children, codependent relationships that are unhealthy relationally. You have relationships with people that you think you're helping, that you're actually enabling. You're toting them on mats, they're toting you on mats, and you're only adding to dysfunction. Boundaries need to be established. Health needs to be restored. And today, yesterday on my lawnmower, when I had a great sermon to preach, God said I was supposed to tell you this because his heart for you is for you to carry the thing that once carried you for you to not walk out crippled but carrying five areas the lord asked me to pray with you today about thank you lord number one excuse me four every head bowed every eye closed No one moving, no one looking around. This is just between you and God. All love, no condemnation here. Hopefully conviction. But conviction that brings change in love. What mat are you relying on? I'm relying on the fact that I have two children and my ex walked out on me. Okay, listen to me, sweetheart, right now. I I am so sorry he did that. I'm I'm so sorry you have these kids. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. 
you're in this situation. But listen to me, you cannot continue this cycle. You, 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 the answer isn't go get another baby's daddy, go get another baby, live off their support, continue the dysfunction, raise your children, hating them and them hating you and you hating the world. You cannot continue this cycle of dysfunction thinking that is going to take you to a place of long-term happiness. Well, you just don't know what they said about me at my job. You, you just don't know the lies they told. You, you just don't know what, what that did to my career. Listen to me. I, I'm so sorry they did that. People do dumb things, and sometimes they even do them in church. People are dumb. And I'm sorry, but you cannot now go through the rest of your life bitter, hurt, angry, suspicious that you experienced a setback. I was just reading this week how Joseph's brothers sold him into Egyptian slavery which looked like the greatest setback of all of his life and one day he ended up ruling all of Egypt and saving his own brother's life. It wasn't a setback. God may have you on an assignment that is a set up for something bigger than your little mind can understand right now. This may be leading you to a new job, to a new promotion, to a new breakthrough, to a new career, to a new era of leadership to a new group of influence that will grow you as a person. You just gotta have the mind of God, not the mind of men. You've gotta see it from heaven to earth, not earth to heaven. What mat are you relying on? I'm relying on the mat that I've been mistreated. I'm relying on the mat that I, 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 I have a certain last name. I'm relying on the mat that, 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 that I'm better than everybody else. I'm relying on the mat that I'm an addict. I'm relying on whatever the mat is. I'm just asking you. The friends you have around you, where are they taking you? Where are they leading you? Are they pulling you into the presence of God? Are they trying to tear the roof off of your idiotic thinking? Are they trying to get you to a place of wholeness and freedom, a breakthrough? Or can you honestly take a snapshot of your current friends' lives and say in 20 years, that's where you wanted to be because your current friends is where you're going with your future. Where are they taking you? What are they saying to you? Are, are you? Oh yeah, I'm saved. I know the Lord. I'm forgiven. But still crippled, still paralyzed. Listen to me. Jesus will save you crippled. Jesus will save you addicted. Jesus will save you dysfunctional. Jesus will save you perverted. Jesus will save you racist. Jesus will save. That's his specialty. He finds the most jacked up, tore up, broken up, messed up. The bigger the giants are, the harder they fall for the kingdom of God. Jesus has a resume of making Saul's Paul's. But at the exact same time, don't believe this perversion of the gospel today that says that's all he died to give you. That you've got to wait until eternity to experience his goodness of heaven now. Don't believe that you don't have the power to be whole, the power to be new, the power to walk again, the power to dream again, the power of the Holy Spirit to live again. This is his promise for you to have life and have it abundantly. He didn't, he didn't want to forgive you to leave you crippled. 
it, it may be something as simple. Listen to me. It may be something as simple as vaping. You know why I don't call out stuff? Just keep your heads bowed. We're just still praying. So let me, I, I, don't, I don't like calling out list of sins. Like I said last week, we all sin. We've all got a poison. We all come up short. You'll never find in the gospel where Jesus went around saying, you know, I know, we all know. That's why you're in church. Is there an answer to it? Don't show me that I'm just broken. Show me how to get out of the brokenness. I don't, I don't call out things because that makes our, in our Western minds, we're like, oh, this is bigger than the other. And that's it. No. Things are things. Dysfunctions are dysfunctions. Sin is sin. And it comes in all shapes, sizes, flavors. But Jesus didn't die for you to stay bound in that. Jesus died to forgive you of that and to give you power over that. Maybe your sin, maybe your dysfunction wasn't as bad as mine, but I mean, mine was so bad. I mean, I ended up in jail every other day, handcuffs on, felony convictions, life sentences, habitual. My, my sin just maybe was, was growing at a rate and at a pace that yours wasn't, but it all pays the same in the end. Death, death. Death, death, death. Mine was growing so fast. I needed help immediately. I needed it desperately. I wanted it wholeheartedly. God, get me out of this. God, set me free from this. God, take this out of me. Don't just forgive me, God. If, if, if all you can do is figuratively, spiritually, forgive me, allegorically. Well, then there's no hope in this gospel for me because I don't know how to quit sticking needles in my arms. I, I don't know how to quit robbing people. I, I don't know how to quit drug dealing. I don't know how to quit running with the rock. I don't know how to stay out of bars and nightclubs. I, I don't know how to quit ending up in the bad situation. I don't know how to quit hurting people and letting people down. Jesus, I don't need to be figuratively forgiven. I need to be changed. And I don't care if it's something as simple as vaping dipping tobacco, looking at pornography in an immoral relationship. Any relationship outside of you and your husband is immoral. I don't care what it is. I don't care how big or how small you want to classify. I'm telling you, there is an answer for it. There is power for it. There is deliverance for it. There is good news for it. There is change for it. There is hope for it. You just got to make up your mind if you want to stay crippled. I like crippled people. I don't like people that like to stay crippled. I love them, but I don't like them. I want to beat them into a wall. Why can't you wake up, oh sleeper? Why don't you want to be free? I love crippled people. I'm a crippled person. But if he ever gave you power to carry your crippler's mat, you'll never love people. 